yeah, I mean, keeping up with the Joneses, you know, we have a nice house um, in Southern California. We, I drive nice cars. Uh, people make fun of the BMWs. I've had several. I used to race cars, so that's almost burning money and you know, lighting it on fire and throwing it away. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, 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 you know, I had a good time with it. You, know, you, you can't look back and, you know, think, gee, I wish I had or what have you. You know, you, I, for my, my feelings, you got to just look at where I am today and what can I do to move forward and what, what are my new goals? You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 143. Clark, how's it going? What's going on in your world? Good. How are you doing? Anything new? You guys yeah. celebrate your anniversary? Yeah, that was, a, that was a little bit ago, but yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. Just uh, li- you know, living out the pandemic, canceling trips, trying to figure out what's going to happen this summer and this fall. Uh, you know, here in Texas, we got a few school districts that that are uh, kind of finalizing plans because some of the kids are starting to go back to school here in a couple weeks. Oh, it's start. Yeah, it's true. August, right? Mid August. Yeah, first part of beginning August, of August. August. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I just went on a bike ride and my bike's having uh, problems changing gears and I'm about ready to just throw the bike out the window because I bought it for, I don't know, 200 bucks or something in Brooklyn and now I feel like I've put that much and more into it and I'm like, well, <laughs> I should have just, <laughs> just bought a new one from the start. Oh, it's so, just one of those classic, like you get what you pay for scenarios. Oh, huh? totally. 1986, 100% steel, Yeah, you know, kickstand included, like. Road bike. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. Dude, I had, a, I had a sister-in-law that we, she was looking at my bike and she, she's, she kind of looked at me, you know, it's just a typical road bike. And she's like, man, you don't have a kickstand on that thing? And I'm like, oh man, these <laughs> things don't come with kickstands anymore. <laughs> you got to put like an aftermarket one if you want one on there. Yeah. Well, especially a nice road bike, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got, you, you want as lightweight as possible. Right. Right. Well, what else is going on? We have a few uh, next week. We have several interviews coming up, so that'll be fun. A lot of really great interviews in the pipeline. A lot of really yeah. cool uh, stories and individuals coming on to, to share their story from about one to 15 or so million, I think we have in the pipeline. Yeah, so. we've got quite the array of professions. Uh, definitely, you know, we've got several that we've we've done already during the, the pandemic, and so we'll be releasing those over the next few months. And yeah, we got some new interviews. So tons of people that uh, have been writing in. Thank you for writing in. Uh, always looking for new millionaires, new stories, new professions. Uh, I think we have a couple new states that will be represented too. You know, you and I were talking about that. You know, we haven't we haven't had anybody from Maine or Vermont. Maybe Bernie will come on. Uh, you know, he's a millionaire. <laughs> he's a millionaire now, right? He said after my favorite, his book deal. My favorite part of uh, yeah, he probably disclosed it. My favorite part is when uh, there was a Democratic debate, right? And Bernie. Uh, he, he was like pressing Michael Bloomberg on have on having you know too much wealth or too many houses or or whatever, and he said, "Well, how many houses do you have, Bernie, or something like that?" You remember this? And yeah, Bernie was yeah. like, "Well, I have one in Vermont, I have one in Washington, and I have a 
beach condo in Florida. Yeah. Forgive me, forgive me for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, good, more power to you, dude. You know, I just thought it was funny. Yeah. You've been so a forgive lifetime, me for that. <laughs> lifetime public servant, and then you finally, you finally got there in you know seventies <laughs> or eighties with a book deal and running for president or whatever. Totally. Which, while we're on the topic, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before the show, looking at some of the, you know, some of the tax plans and, and details that the, that uh, Biden is kind of putting out uh, about his tax plan. And one of those is is hiking, uh, basically almost eliminating the capital gains tax rates and just taxing everything at, at regular income. Yeah. And it seems like it's for uh, people with income above 1 million annually. So it probably wouldn't affect well, us or most people listening to the show, but it would it would increase the capital gain tax to 39.6. So they'd be taxed at ordinary income. And it looks like if it was above 1 million. So pretty interesting, just something to monitor and, and to be aware of, because I think I heard it initially a couple of weeks ago and, and or a week ago or so. And somebody said, Hey, he's going to get rid of he's going to get rid of cap gains tax altogether. And but as I started reading it, it seems like that threshold's a million. But that could always change, right? It doesn't really. I mean, what they say now doesn't really mean anything. But pretty interesting. Also, he said he'll increase the corporate income tax rate from twenty one to twenty eight percent. And then the other thing we were just talking about is removing the step up in basis upon death. Somebody passed away and passed something on, you get that step up in basis to the price that it's initially passed over to you and, and tax free. And so he's trying to to get rid of that, or at least that's what's included in his tax plan. So it's just something to monitor, right? I mean, obviously, Trump passed his tax plan, and I'm sure he'll pass more, and whoever comes in, whether it's Biden or Trump, will probably pass something else. So just interesting. I mean, capital gains tax, that's something that could drastically affect everybody uh, if they didn't have that million-dollar cutoff. Yeah, and I think one other thing, too, is on that Social Security payroll tax, increasing that. Uh, across the board, you know, right now, what's the limitation? I think 137,000 or so that your, your social security is funded basically through 12 and a half percent or 12.4%, I think, uh, up to that first 137. And then after that, so his, his, his argument is that, you know, we need to tax, I think up to 400 or so, he said, effective tax rate on that needs to continue to be 12.4%. So that would be quite drastic, you know, in terms of his tax plan and reforming compared to what we've had. I mean, it's classic Republican versus Democratic tax plan for the most part between the two. And I think, you know, Biden's got some different things that he's trying to to propose, like we've mentioned. And yeah, definitely something to monitor because it, you know, it definitely could change, you know, the way we invest. I had a conversation with somebody that works for me this last week. And when I sit down and one of the questions got brought up, you know, outside of work, like, hey, how do you personally invest? And and I kind of went in into some things and and it, and it got me thinking that one of the reasons that that we do this and though I do some of the things I do is just to have options because you have you never know I mean we have these traditional IRAs we got 401ks we got Roth plans we got HSAs you know all these different vehicles to to invest in or or use to invest and you know, I'm just one that has options. I don't know who's going to be the president. I don't know what my tax rate's going to look like in retirement. You know, a lot of people are say, oh, let me just do traditional because, you know, my tax rate's always going to be higher now than it would be in retirement. I'm going to live off less money. And, you know, I don't know that that's always the case. And it's not something, especially at your age and my age, that we may never be able to predict what those tax rates are going to look like or who's going to be in office or which party's going to have control of, you know, the Senate or the House or whatever. And that, you know, a lot of those are, are, are who makes policy. And, you know, a lot of us are 
not necessarily affected on our daily life by who's in office, but you know, who sets tax rates and everything else at the, at the federal level definitely trickles down to us on, on an individual basis. So, so last week we had Dennis. Dennis has a net worth of 1.06 million. He invests primarily in the equity markets. He had a college GPA of 2.67 and it was one point in his life was $267,000 in debt. He's obviously done a fantastic job climbing out of the hole and becoming a millionaire. Dennis shared his success story and provides advice for those who do not invest in real estate. So go check that episode out. That's 142 if you're interested in that. Today's show, we have Randy. Randy has a current net worth of $1.6 million. He has about $750,000 in equity investments. He has a few stocks like Amazon, Apple, Tesla in his portfolio that make up about $200,000. He started investing in Apple as a very young kid when his dad bought him a few shares from him and still holds some today. He has one real estate rental and a primary residence that he has some equity built up in both. Talks about selling some of his Apple stock to buy his first rental property, which is an interesting conversation. And he also talks about buying Tesla at $34 a share, which is absolutely crazy given that Tesla just hit 15 or 1700 in the last week or so. so. Without any further delay, let's get into today's episode with Randy. Randy, do you want to just give us a little bit about your background and kind of what you're up to now? Sure. Uh, See, I am close to 50 uh, in in Southern California, have a W-2 job, and uh, new on the FI journey and working my way through this. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's been an interesting last year, as I've, almost year, as I've been really pushing through this, so it's been fun. That's awesome. And what's your net worth today? Net worth is around 1.6. You know, with the markets recently, it's, I've been crying, is trying not to look at it. <laughs> uh, it's been going down, but you know that's that's the way the world works. And you know, for me, um, kind of new in this journey, uh, it's actually a good thing, right? So you know, it's uh, this is I'm looking to really invest a lot right now. Um, and so as the markets go down, everything's on sale. So totally, and we'll get into that a little bit in the psychology and stuff behind and and, and whatnot. But how is the the 1.6 broken up? Yeah, so uh, it was a million, but it's uh, it's taken about a twenty five percent hit of, of investments, um, and then I have a uh, a rental property as well, um, and then my my personal home. That's about how it, how it's broken up. Right? And and is the personal look, residence paid off yet, or is that still you still have a mortgage? No, the per, yeah, I still have a mortgage. Uh, interest rates are my interest is pretty low, so I don't intend to pay it off off any quicker. Uh, what I have been trying to pay off a little faster is my my rental property uh, because it is local. So I'm in a high cost of living area and it doesn't really cash flow. Uh, so my feeling has been to try and pay that down as quickly as I can because the rent would be nice and I can get it to cash flow right. Yeah, totally. So was that rental property something that you used to live in and turned in rental or did you buy it as a rental or what's kind of the, the story there? Yeah, so uh, years ago, um, my father had done fairly well, and had and I years ago I sat down with his accountant, and he said, you know, your dad did well in his business, but where he really made money was in real estate, and so I started looking at real estate, and so um, I did that, you know, at the perfect time in 2007. <laughs> so, yeah, sarcasm, uh, and took money out of the just the perfect stock to buy that that property. So I sold Apple stock to buy that. Oh wow. And so, you know, Do you regret you that imagine, at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you can't regret anything. What happens happens. <laughs> but certainly, um, that stock would have been worth a whole lot money, more money if I hadn't sold that. 
Interesting. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of crazy. In hindsight's twenty twenty, though, right? But you got the rental property. Exactly. And I'm, I'm sure it's done all right in Southern California as well in terms of appreciation. Yeah. But Apple's yeah. been on a tear. Well, I guess until the last week or so. But anyway, so money that's in the market is that mutual funds, bonds, stocks. Yeah. Uh, so I still have some Apple. So what I do is I have a few stocks that I've purchased over time that I just kind of let ride. Um, I think that's somewhere around around 20% of my, my investment portfolio. So that Apple stock started from when I was a little kid. Um, my father asked me to name three companies and, uh, and I gave him a couple and including Apple and he invested just a little bit of money in them. And so they've done really well. So Apple, Amazon, Tesla, um, a few others like that. Um, and then the big chunk of it is about 50% of it is in VTSAX. Uh, I've got a small uh, holding of uh, bond VT, uh, VBTLX and then some international uh, VTIAX as well. Gotcha. So just out of curiosity, do you remember the price you bought Apple at? <laughs> I don't, uh, but I believe that it would be because it's split so many times, it would have been cents oh, on the dollar yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, and, and so what happened was you know, I sold some of it. I sold some of it to buy that condo. Um, and then, uh, right when the, uh, when the, I, after Steve jobs had died, the next iPhone that came out, I sold half of it right about that time and bought Tesla. So Tesla was another really good purchase because that was $34 at the time. Yeah. It's, cr- that's crazy too. Cause it got up to what, almost a thousand, right? 990 or something yeah, here. Exactly. I mean, now it's, now it's dropped like over 50%, right? But right. we're recording this March 19th, 2020, but it's crazy when you look at Apple stock, I'm just kind of pulling it up. It was below $10 through June, July-ish of 2006, right? So until 2006, I guess that's that makes sense, right? That's when the iPhone started coming out and becoming a little bit more popular, but yeah. boom, and yeah, then so, it, got, it got up to, what, 250 ish Yeah, exactly. And I was a little kid when my, when my dad bought it for me, and it was kind of like one of those things that was, yay, I own a piece of Apple, and Apple's kind of cool because I had my little Apple IIe computer kind of give you a time frame, right? And I kind of knew about it, but didn't really think much about it until probably my 30s when, when Apple started blowing up. And then it was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I should actually watch this. Wow. Wow. So this is rental, Randy. I just want to go back to it. How much is it worth? And, and does it cash flow? Do you have a mortgage on it, right? I do have a mortgage on it. It's got about 10 years left of the mortgage. It breaks even. And what will it be worth once it's, I mean, what's the estimate now? What's it worth now? It's worth probably in the range of four, four fifty. So that's pretty good, right? Even even if it doesn't cash flow, if, if it pays off your full mortgage and you're not putting money into it, I mean, you've built 450, 400, 450 of equity, right? Yes. Yes, wow. absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. So, you know, luckily I'm in a, even though it is a high cost of living area, I'm lucky that the appreciation in Southern California works to my advantage. Um, yeah. I, I always say that it doesn't snow here, so property values continue to increase. <laughs> yeah, and and do you self manage that? I do. It, it it it's pretty much just around the corner, so um, I can handle anything. And how often? I'm just curious. How often do you have an issue with it, if at all? Very very rarely. Yeah, I'm um, thinking like a leak or a toilet break or a pipe or a, you know whatever yeah. or something like that. So I would say I've had some pretty major things happen to it. But it's on a maybe every three to four year basis right now the oven needs to be replaced. I had a the apartment above leaked one time that was 
four or five years ago, and that was all replaced under insurance. It has been really easy to take care of, though. Gotcha. You mentioned the apartment above. Is it? Is it a? It's an apartment it's on the ground. It's a condo on it's, the ground floor. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. So let's dive in, Randy. I think we got got your allocation at least big picture. Let's dive into your story a little bit, and then we may come back to the allocation piece. So. What's what's kind of the story of you? How did this all come to be? I know we were talking a little bit before we started recording, but you know, as much as you're comfortable sharing there with what you shared with us, how, how did you kind of come into, it's kind of a new thing, right? To come into this financial independence stuff for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, not that young. Um, I have been uh, you know working all my life. So I'm, I'm about to hit the big 5-0. And over the last few years. Um, I've been laid off a few times from different jobs, um, about three times in the last, uh, I guess, four years it has been. And the last time I was laid off, I was off for 10 months. And when I started working again, I thought I looked around and we had been tightening our belts while I wasn't working. Phi was not in my mindset at all, but not crazy. And then when I started working, I realized that we had only taken out $3,000 $3,000 out of our savings. And I kind of looked around and went, how is it that we were spending my entire salary and not saving a ton of money? Because we almost went a full year, right? Great. We were living off my wife's salary. My wife does make a little bit more than I do, but it just, it kind of shook me as to what we could be doing. And so I started looking more into how else I could invest. How could I create some perpetual revenue streams and, um, you know, where else we could, what else we could do. And I stumbled, literally stumbled over a couple of podcasts on financial independence and away I went down that rabbit hole. Wow. And how did you come across it? Was it, was there a moment that you just kind of said, Hey, I've got, I heard this from somebody, I got to look into it. I want to be a little bit more on top of my finances or did it just, it just stumbled upon you? So I was looking, I was, I was watching a, a group on Facebook about people that are doing flipping homes. And, um, uh, and I, I really wasn't fully understanding what they were, how they were, whether they were doing it and all that kind of stuff. And somebody made a link to a Choose FI podcast. And I don't re- even remember what number it was, but I looked at it and I thought, wow, this is really interesting. And I probably shouldn't start this midstream in this conversation. I need to start with episode one. <laughs> and so I started working my way through all their podcasts. Oh, wow. And they're up to, yeah. Chase, do you know, or Randy, maybe you know, how many, what are they up to know. now? It's a lot. They're at, they're at their 170th week and they do two a week. So three, so, um, so three, yeah. 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 And so I have just about caught up. I'm within about two weeks of get, getting caught up and that. So that that journey started last August. Wow. And so when when you kind of had that realization, right, of saying, gosh, you know, I've been unemployed here for 10 months. Why weren't we saving a bunch of money? Was your wife on board with this? How did you get? I don't know if you have any kids. How did that all come to be? What did you do from there? Did you make a budget? Did you what was kind of the next step? Yeah. So I've always been pretty good with the money. Um, I've I've always had a not a budget, but a I put everything in quick and everything we spend. And what I've always done is every six months I've gone in and looked at it and figured out how much money my wife and I keep separate accounts and we put all of our money into a joint, put a certain amount into a joint account. Um, so I, I looked at that and said, 
every year, every six months, I would say, okay, well, this is how much we now need to put in. It wasn't necessarily a budget as to we can only spend this amount. It was, this is how much we spend on groceries. This is how much we spend on whatever it is. And so from that point, uh, I started looking at that number, started really looking at what we could, what we were wasting money on. Um, I dropped uh, our, I changed our cell phone carriers um, I changed a bunch of stuff within a month of this process. I was saving, I figured it was over $500 a month and this is just starting. Right. And was getting, my wife was seeing this and kind of opening up her eyes as I started laying out what the possibilities were for both of us and looking at financial independence. Uh, she liked the idea of not having to work uh, as long as I am or I have. Um, she's significantly younger than me. This was fairly attractive to her. Um, and yes, we have two kids. Um, so the idea of being able to spend more time with them uh, is is attractive as well. So it didn't take too much to get her on board. I just started feeding her some of these podcasts and she was luckily I was, she was open to listening to them. We're pushing and trying to see how we where we can save money, where we can how we can invest and and figure out how to retire. So for her, it would be retire early. For me, it would be retiring about on time. <laughs> um, yeah. Gotcha. So Randy, I want to, I appreciate you being open about all this because I think it's impactful to people and someone connects with it. And, and so I appreciate you being honest with everything. One of the things you mentioned to us before the show that I, I found interesting is, is you said you were kind of keeping up with the Joneses before you found this financial independence movement, right? In a yeah, sense. Yeah. And part of it was maybe because you didn't know what to say for, right? There wasn't, there wasn't maybe a, you didn't have this big goal to retire early. Yeah. So I didn't, not only did I not have this big goal to retire early, but I think the whole retirement and what you're going to do with that, there was, it seemed like just a black hole. Even my parents were like, yeah, how long are you going to live? I, you know, oh, for them. Right. How long are we going to live? How I don't really know how much money we need. Um, and it just it it I never really understood how much what it might look like, what the number is to get to. You know, I was putting in. So I know the average American puts in a fairly low percentage into their 401k. I was ranging between 12 and 16 percent. So for me, that was great. Of course, now. So I started that job in August. I was doing 50% for the first six months to max out my 401k that year. So, you know, maxing everything out and, and being able to drive with a goal in mind completely changed my mindset. But yeah, I mean, keeping up with the Joneses, you know, we have a nice house um, in Southern California. We, I drive nice cars. Uh, people make fun of the BMWs. I've had several. I used to race cars. So that's almost burning money and you know, lighting it on fire and throwing it away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it, 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 you know, I had a good time with it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, know, you, you, you can't look back and, you know, think, gee, I wish I had or what have you. You know, you, I, for my, my feelings, you got to just look at where I am today and what can I do to move forward and what, what are my new goals? Yeah. So was it was there any pullback on your lifestyle? I, I assume there was. Was that difficult to do? Uh, so pull back on the lifestyle. So we haven't moved. We've talked about it, but it's not going to be very far. Vehicles are just about paid off. So that's okay. But certainly, you know, things like not eating out all the time or not eating out at work or, 
you know, it, it, it became quite a bit of a change from that standpoint. Also, the whole credit card miles thing changed everything. We spent a lot of money on travel. Um, we'll still do that travel, but we'll do it off of points now. And and my whole thing is, okay, so we're going to travel. We're going to do, we're going to travel with these points. So if we're going to spend X thousands of dollars traveling or in the points, those thousands of dollars need to go into a, uh, into a fund, you know, into VTSAX or something like that. Um, so that we're continuing to grow this money, um, more quickly. But like I said, I'm not really sure how we were spending my salary to begin with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that money's going there now. It was those you cars, have, man, right? Exactly. exactly. Do, you, do, you, do you know what, I'm trying to think of maybe in terms you wouldn't know, like household spending before and after or savings rate before and after? Uh, so household spending. Yeah. So I looked at our household spending. We, including mortgage, so including mortgage, we spend um, in the range of, let's say, $100,000 a year. Um, I figured if we took out the mortgage and if we had, if we had paid off our, our personal residence and vehicles and all that kind of stuff, we would be somewhere in the let's say 60s. It wouldn't take a whole lot to keep us going when you start looking at it that way. That's 60K. And that, you're even in Southern California, right? Where things are supposedly yeah. more expensive, right? Yep. Yep. That's pretty amazing. Yep. So Randy, I got to ask, you've built up this net worth. You've kind of had a philosophy change. Your market investments have taken a bit of a hit. Are you adjusting your strategy at all right now? Uh, you know, absolutely not. My feeling is that uh, I keep on hearing that Warren Buffett quote in my mind, something about when the markets fall, uh, let's see, every decade or so, dark clouds will fill the economic skies and they will briefly rain gold. When downpours of that occur, it's imperative that we run outdoors carrying wash tubs, not teaspoons. So my feeling is, look, if I go and sell everything, I'm going to get hit with taxes to do that. I guess I could do that within my 401ks um, and my IRAs and that kind of stuff. I don't, I can't time the market. I'm just going to continue to shove money in there and, and grow it. Um, I feel like everything's on sale. You know, I, I'm, is it, is it weird that I feel excited that I can go and invest more right now? I, I don't know. Or, or get more when I invest. Um, I don't know. Um, I do have, uh, I mentioned you guys, uh, I have a little bit of a side hustle. Um, so as that money comes in, it's, it feels like, you know, I just throw all of that in into um, into a VTSAX, or and I'm excited about doing that right now. Uh, I feel like I'm getting more. So no, my my strategy hasn't changed. The only thing that I have that has happened or hasn't happened, but is in my mind, um, is we've been thinking about getting another rental property, probably out of state, definitely out of state. But that has nothing to do with the market change. That's was something on my radar, anyways. Totally. So just curious, roughly, do you know how much you've lost in the last couple of weeks with the, the market hits in the middle of March? Yeah, it's probably in the range of 250. Wow. So 250K yeah. and you're just not changing strategy, sticking with it. You said you're almost 50. You've got quite a bit of time still potentially before you retire and need all of that money, correct? Yeah. But again, that, that, that money has been investment, truly investment, right? I, yeah. I don't need it. And yeah. it's not lost until until it's until I need it. You know, if you would, if we would have been talking a few weeks ago when I hit a million, the, the interesting thing was that, that 
money was growing rather quickly. So I don't know. I don't know how long this takes to to grow back. I, I lost my crystal ball. Yeah. Yeah. Randy, <laughs> do you do you worry about it? Like, I mean, I know it's kind of a stupid question, right? You lost a cabin or a small house, $250,000, a ton of money, right? Yeah. But I, I remember when this was, when, when it first started happening, Jace, even you and I, right? We would text and talk back and, and forth and be like, oh my gosh, look what the market's doing today, right? Look how far down it is. Oh my gosh, it's another 3%. Oh, it's 8%. Are you kidding me? And it just keeps going now, right? March 19th now. And now we're down, I don't know, I, I don't know how much now year to date, but I don't, now I don't worry about it as much as I did two weeks ago. And I don't know why it's obviously lost more, but I don't think now I'm kind of just like, eh, whatever, it'll come back up at some point. Right. Is that, is that kind of your thought or yeah. do you still worry about it? No, that, that's exactly my thought. You know, my timeline, my time horizon isn't, sh- isn't short. Um, I've got at least 10 years and I kind of feel like it's going to come back. You know, it may take us a while. Um, this may be a very scary year. Maybe I'm foolish. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, I feel like, uh, this is an opportunity for me to, to get more. Totally. So you mentioned you got a side hustle. How did that start? And what's kind of the, what's kind of the thought process behind that in terms of kind of generating some extra income? Sure. So on one of the podcasts I was listening to, they were talking about decluttering and I had a ton of stuff sitting in my garage uh, and so I started taking stuff out and, uh, believe it or not, it started off, uh, started, so I started taking things out, started taking things out and putting them on eBay to sell. Um, it started off with just CDs. Uh, and I had so much stuff that I got my roped my, my 11 year old into helping me out. Um, so he lists and he gets 25% of anything that we sell. And so as that has grown and been going through my stuff, I've started talking to friends and relatives um, and posting and even getting friends of friends um, that are looking to get rid of things too and starting to sell their their items as well. Uh, and so it's become a pretty nice second little side hustle business um, that's that's bringing in some decent money. That's awesome. So I got to ask, where do you kind of go from here? Are you trying to reach a, a certain passive income level or is it net worth? Or are you just kind of playing it year by year, kind of looking towards that, that five number? Yeah. It's, uh, my, my goal is to hit that five number. Um, and certainly, you know, we're, we're, we've stepped backwards significantly with this market. Luckily, you know, there's, there's enough salary income that's coming in. Um, so that's not a, not an immediate concern. Um, like I said, I think, I believe that the market will come back historically, of course it has. Um, and it's just a matter of continuing to, to plow money in there. Yeah. So are you putting more in than you normally would in the sense, are you taking cash or are you taking like reserves off the sidelines and putting it in now? So right now I'm not, uh, uh, I run pretty low on, on cash reserves. Again, after that 10 month span I kind of started looking at things and, and realizing I had a lot of cash sitting aside and uh, wish I had seen that. Hadn't seen that now, seen, seen that then, now, seen that then, so I could see that now, so I could use that money um, to put it in. But you know, I started looking at what is an emergency account? Why do you need an emergency account? How much do you really need? And started looking at you know all the disasters that would have to line up in order for me to use all of that money. And it just seemed completely unrealistic that I had all that money sitting out. I would have to lose my job. My wife would have to lose her job. Yeah. Maybe we'd have to get divorced, right? You know, like, like the market would have to crash. And then 
maybe I would have to really tighten my belt. You know, <laughs> like right. just, there were so many different things that would have to t- terrible things would have to fall into place. It just didn't seem realistic to keep so much money um, on the sidelines. Yeah, I was I was going to say you can tighten your belt now because you're not eating out as much anymore. Right. But I'm just <laughs> right. teasing you. I know what you're talking about. I really like this. This quote, I looked it up, Randy, the one that you just mentioned from Warren Buffett. Was it it was 2016 or 2017 shareholder letter. Right. Every decade or so, dark clouds will fill the economic skies and they will briefly rain gold. When downpours of that sort occur, it's imperative that we rush outdoors carrying wash tubs, not teaspoons. And that we will do. Really interesting. So as, as far as your children, Randy, what are you doing to teach them about money? Obviously, you have this little business, this eBay business with your son. Is, has that kind of helped him get excited about money? Is that something you're excited about in teaching him or her, I guess? I don't know if you specified. What are you doing yep. now to teach your kids about money? Yep. So uh, both of them have uh, 529s. They have their own uh, savings accounts that for college uh, that I've shared with them what's happening. We have uh, we we give them uh, money on a regular basis. I've shared compounding interest f- uh, formulas with them for they can so they can see that. My son is total saver and wants to save all the money and is gets into it and wants to even see me pay the bills. My daughter, on the other hand, every time we go out to a store, wants to buy something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> figures right. <Yeah. laughs> um, uh, but uh, but you know she'll she'll get it. You know it's it's just. Uh, I'm sure as time goes on, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll learn. I mean, she's, they're both, sure. they're both still pretty young. Okay. Gotcha. So what about, you know, as, in terms of like life hacking, I know you talked about credit card, credit card points um, and rewards and stuff. Is there anything else you do to kind of get a little edge on things? Certainly the credit card points, uh, the eBay stuff is, is great for me. Not taking the toll road. Uh, I did. So when I got this new job, when I things, got this new things job, not worth the money, right? Oh my gosh. I looked at the toll road versus the street and did a little math. So I think I figured out that it would, it would save me about 10 minutes a day. It might've been 10 minutes a day each way. And I did the math and figured out that it was going to cost me about $80 an hour to be using the, t- the toll road. And it just, <laughs> just looked at it and went, or oh, wow. 300 or over $300 a month. And I just kind of went, yeah, no, not doing that. $300 a month. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, in my previous life, I, I, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. Totally. I, I was, That's it, something totally you wouldn't, wouldn't think about. It. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So the 529s, so, just jumping back here, the 529s you have for your children, are they invested in index funds, mutual funds as well? Yes, they are. Okay. Okay, nice. I think the the other piece, the one other piece about uh, that I think is really imperative is to really be in action, right? It's to always be learning something new, always trying to understand what else is available out there. You know, right now I'm I've spent some time starting to look at real estate, kind of always spending some extra time with the inquisitor mind and seeing where else what else you can use instead of sitting in front of a TV or, you know, um, right. you know, at night, you know, those kind of things. And what, how do you do that? Is that, is that mostly podcasts for you? Uh, for me? Yeah. That, that has been a lot of podcasts or at least using a podcast to lead me to looking out up and inf- more information. Yeah. You hear something initially and then you search for more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about insurance, Randy. It's something that we don't get into a lot on the show, but, what do you do for, you know, the, the two big ones I think that come to mind are obviously life insurance, right? 
And then obviously we all have home and health, but I'm curious if you do disability insurance because Chase, it's something you and I talk about a lot and it's really hard to know exactly how much because it's, it's awfully expensive, right? And, and I know a lot of employers provide at least a baseline minimum, but when you look at that amount, if you're making a higher income, it, it really doesn't cover what your expenses are, especially if, if only one spouse or one person is working in the home. Yeah. So curious what you do you do anything for disability insurance and life what do you have for life insurance uh so for life insurance uh so we uh, we do have kids and so for my my feeling is when you have the young ones that's important um the life insurance amount that we've gotten has always been the amount to cover the the sale price or the mortgage that's left on the home uh, my feeling has always been that if we didn't have to pay our mortgage we'd be golden and so that that's kind of always been my philosophy on that. I got a question on that. So if that's kind of what your thought process is, why have a rental property or why go look at investing other places? Because I know that's not the way you say that. I know that's not exactly kind of what you're really meaning, but what's kind of the thought process? If, if you feel like you'd be golden and not have it, why even look at investments elsewhere, if that makes sense? So home, in, in my book, your home is not an investment. Uh, and so I see those things as, as completely different. So my, my feeling is if something, God forbid, would happen to me or to my wife, one of us would be, one of us would, if one of us died, we could pay off the mortgage. And as long as we continued to you know, work, the other one continued to work without that mortgage would be okay. Investment property, on the other hand, is, it should be, passive income or somewhat passive income. So when I bought my rental property, I thought that I would be making, getting some cash flow out of it. It hasn't been cash flowing, but it's been doing okay. Uh, it, you know, it, I've been getting the, um, the equity in it. Uh, and so that's why I would continue to buy more properties is to increase that cash flow uh, such that then you wouldn't have to work. Yeah, I agree. Or it's breaking even, right? And so- right. Whereas the house is costing you money. Yep. So, uh, and, so just, and in a high cost of living area, right? That's not a small amount. Right. Totally. So just some rapid fire questions here, Andy, before we wrap up, what's been, I know you're a car guy here. So what's been your most expensive car you've ever purchased? Uh, I had a BMW M2. Uh, so that was, uh, 63, 63, 65 yeah. ish. Okay. Yeah. What about meal out? Most expensive meal out that you've paid for? I'm not a drinker, so uh, maybe 100, 120 bucks. Okay. Uh, you mentioned this a little bit, but what items or experiences, I think you mentioned it, is experiences or we're spending more money on to you? Is that right? Uh, yeah, experiences, absolutely. Uh, we travel, so travel. Uh, yeah. Uh, and much- not, just, not just travel, but travel outside this country. Really get to see the rest of the world, meet other people. I think that that is imperative. Um, to really get an idea as to what the whole world is is about. So how much lower those fears? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. How much do you spend on? Let's just take an average vacation outside of the U.S. Obviously, it depends where you're going, but you've got family of four, right? You, two adults, yep. two kids. What does that cost you? Uh, well, obviously, it completely depends on where we're going. I know um, Southeast but... Asia, Western <laughs> Europe, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we tend to go to Europe uh, quite a bit. Um, so Europe can be, it can be, let's say five to seven K for a week or something. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, have you ever used a financial advisor? Yes, I did. Um, my father had a financial advisor. He suggested I use him. Uh, I used him for a very long time. I, at some point, I looked at it and went, I think I could do better than he is. And, uh, and took my took my money from him as, as I went into this into this buy process. Okay. Uh, as much as you're comfortable sharing here, your range of household income through your working life? Range of household income through my working life. Uh, let's say it's always been six figures. So, uh, okay. Okay. And then what, what is, what does it mean to be happy and, and fulfilled to you Has becoming a millionaire or making more money or having this sense of financial security? Has that increased your happiness and confidence levels? Confidence levels? Absolutely. So having the ability, there's probably two pronged, right? So within my work, having the ability, knowing that I have the money and the, the security that I can push back some, that, that feeling of security probably comes from a little bit of having money and also a little bit of having changed jobs several times. Right. And, and kind of knowing how to, how to navigate that. Yeah, certainly, certainly some of that. And then what about books, any books or website tools or websites that you would recommend to somebody, anything that's helped you on your journey? Uh, yeah, so the J.L. Collins Simple Path to Wealth, uh, I think, is a great book. Uh, in fact, I gave it out to many of my relatives for Christmas. Uh, Millionaire Next Door, I thought, was really interesting. And of course, you know, what started my journey was the Choose a Five Thought podcast. Mm-hmm. Do people know about your wealth, Randy, either your family or friends? Probably not. I have talked to some friends just about the process more than. And what they might be able to do and what they could could do versus where I am in that process and what I have. Gotcha. So just in closing, Randy, thanks for your time. I know we've taken a lot of it, so we'll let you go here. We're coming up on it. But in closing, what's maybe your final words of advice to somebody who was in your situation 10 years ago or even 20 years ago? Or maybe what mistakes would you advise against making, if any? Yeah, so my... My advice would be to have a have a plan. Uh, look at your career, your life, and kind of get an idea as to really where you want to go. Um, I think prior to this, I was really in what what might be called drift, without really knowing where I wanted to go, what I was looking for, and things were just moving along in the mud. Um, having a plan, both from a financial standpoint, from a happiness standpoint from a love standpoint and taking action that's consistent with that, I think is really the way to go. Awesome. Totally agree, Randy. Thank you so much. That's everyone. That's Randy net worth of 1.6 million. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, being so open. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.